Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to my lightning talk on the Life You Can Save's new charity evaluation framework. Uh, before I delve into the framework and tell you a bit about it and how it differentiates from other charity evaluators in the marketplace, I'd just like to share a little bit about my journey uh, to uh, this role as Director of Philanthropy at The Life You Can Save. Uh, my journey started way back in 1995, before many of you were probably born, when I studied ethics at university. The text for the subject was a book called Practical Ethics by Peter Singer. Uh, and which taught me how to think rationally about our choices. Um, a book on the reading list for that subject was also Animal Liberation, which completely changed my life as well. I uh, immediately stopped eating animals and became vegetarian and then vegan in 2011 after the birth of my first child, eventually making the link between mothers and babies and cows and their calves. Having a child often leads to a shift in consciousness, and it was around this time that the book The Life You Can Save was published. Well, actually, it was published in 2009, but I'd put off reading it because I was afraid it would make me want to do something, and I wasn't sure what that would be. <laughs> but given the uh, shift in consciousness, uh, I, I read the book, and it opened my eyes and completely changed my worldview. So not only did it make me want to do something, uh, it set a light of flame to help those in need, uh, needs that we can't imagine here in Australia, uh, those who, uh, needs of those who weren't given a golden, ticket, a golden lottery ticket at birth like we were, those who suffered from preventable diseases, nutritional deficiencies, meeting basic needs, things that uh, Australians just don't have to, to bear. Around that same time, uh, still in Melbourne, I met with a career coach at the School of Life uh, an accessible philosophy-themed event uh, in Melbourne. Um, when hearing about my newfound purpose and desire to, I guess, have a career that aligned with, with this and hearing about my background, which was in um, financial services, business development, uh, financial advising, they, they suggested, I've got the perfect role for you. It's a philanthropist. And I went, what's that? And he said it would be advising people on how to uh, donate their money, where they could... Uh, do the most good with their money. And I'm like, that's great, but um, a role doesn't actually viably exist like that. Or it certainly didn't back in 2011, um, or back in 2012. Uh, and then fast forward about 10 years, and then it did. And uh, I was recently appointed into this role as Director of Philanthropy in May 2022, so about eight weeks ago. And uh, I'm really excited that my dream job uh, became at the right time, right place, and uh, here I am. So I'm going to be talking about the new charity evaluation framework. I'm essentially talking to you about this on behalf of our appointed director of research, Balal Siddiqui. Uh, he's based in Pakistan most of the time. And uh, he has a PhD in economics from Oxford University. He worked as an economist at the World Bank for five years. He's had a range of other experiences as well and very well placed to help us, I guess, pivot from where we started, which was using give well recommendations um, and help us grow uh, the, the pie of, of giving of money, money, money that can be moved to effective charities. So a quick recap on what we do for those that aren't familiar. So we research to identify effective charities. We've got around 25 on our list at the moment, uh, which is significantly more than some of the other charity evaluators. We provide tools for donors to uh, access and see how much, if they gave you know, $5,000, $50, $100, what would the impact be? So all of our charities have got you know, data plugged in on the back end, so people go in and say, hey, if I do this, that, that will be the impact, and that, that's a really useful tool that donors find helps guide their decisions on the type of impact they want to have and to what extent. 
And the other thing that we do is uh, marketing to try and build a culture of giving. So we do this through mass marketing, uh, ads on social media, um, different, different marketing, general mass marketing tactics. Uh, the other thing that we offer as well is kind of uh, some managed funds. Uh, so I guess much like uh, some people in financial services or, you know, you've got money to invest, you might go to a stockbroker and they design a portfolio for you. In other circumstances, you might say, you know what, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm going to just put my money into a, a managed fund or an index fund or whatever it might be. So the Life You Can Save has, I guess, the equivalent of some managed funds through our All Charities Fund, our 9010 Fund, and we've got other funds that are coming up uh, that will be released over coming months. So just, uh, just by way of background, uh, we used to identify our recommended charities by re reviewing and aggregating research from other charity evaluators, uh, and they were assessed by volunteers uh, for the life you can save. Uh, but differences in evaluators' methods and criteria occasionally led to inconsistencies. And there was confusion as to why a given charity would appear was included on our list, while equally well-regarded charities were left off. So in 2021, uh, Dr. Bilal Siddiqui was appointed as Director of Research and he also has uh, a team around to support him in his research. So the new framework work will help us identify more great charities that are working to reduce the burden of poverty for hundreds of millions of people and offer our supporters a greater choice on around how and who to give to and where to give. And by introducing don new donors to the logic of effective giving, we also aim to spread the message of effective altruism to a wider audience. So we've moved to uh, in-house research, as I said, uh, just clicking that one. So uh, based on four core principles, I won't go into these in too much detail uh, because you'll have access to these slides, um, but there, there's, a, there's a framework around it. But what I wanted to uh, highlight is that some of the charities that we recommend that give well don't, for example, uh, the climate charities that we recommend uh, through a collaboration with Giving Green, uh, which is a, we partnered with them last year so that we could provide Australian donors and international donors a choice of climate charities. So that was based on donor demand that we uh, did research and, uh, and assessed charities that have high impact in the climate space. Um, other examples of charities that we have that others don't are Equalise Health, uh, which is research and development of affordable medical te uh, technology for mothers and children, and the One Acre and Fund and Village Enterprise, uh, which is about uh, helping small holders and rural entrepreneurs earn income and, and uh, enable them to, to uh, build up their and uh, build a business and, and generate income. And others are the Fistula Foundation and Fred Hollows Foundation. So I'm going to focus on the two bottom uh, points here, how we identify the problems that we want to focus on. Uh, one of them is lockedness, uh, which is essentially about unlocking money. So a lot of philanthropic money is not cause neutral. For example, many donors have logistical constraints or strong affiliations to particular causes or target populations or geographies. Uh, for example, I've recently worked with a family in South Australia who's got a large sum to give and they wanted to uh, donate to a charity that uh, helps people today but also spills over into mobilising communities. There's a, a family office sort of social imp uh, impact enterprise called Affinity Impact in Asia and they wanted to distribute their giving between direct delivery organisations and other systems change organisations like the Clean Air Task Force. So the other uh, thing that we 
have now included um, in terms of identifying uh, the problems is recipient focus. So actually the people that, who are living in poverty, asking them what's really important to them as well, which kind of makes a lot of sense if you think about it. Uh, so we want to keep sight of their expressed needs and values of the ultimate, uh, since they're the ultimate recipients of our philanthropic efforts. And this means that prioritising causes that the poor identify, such as schooling, financial education and jobs. So how do we go about, uh, we group problems into uh, cause areas, um, so it's outcome-based and population-based. Again, I'm going to focus on some of the differences in what we do versus GiveWell. So um, DALIs, a lot of you might be familiar with that concept, which is disability years averted. We use that as a key metric when evaluating charities. Uh, carbon removed in the case of our climate change charities. Uh, and then we've got some uh, population-based themes. I do want to leave time for questions, so I'm going to go through. So what we do in terms of finding great charities is we build a pool, we use existing resources, we work with other charity evaluators. It's a very collaborative space, as I'm sure you can imagine. Um, to be clear, we do not seek to duplicate the efforts of others, um, and we build on the work that's done by GiveWell, Giving Green, the Founders Pledge, and other evaluators. We also look to recipients of highly regarded awards that rigorously evaluate their grant recipients, for example, uh, the Elevate Prize, and uh, to other funders who have a reputation for evidence-based giving, such as Focusing Philanthropy and the Malago Foundation for potential candidates to review. Uh, just again about GiveWell, because I know that that's, that that's the charity evaluator most of you are most familiar with. Um, they find the highest impact cause areas, such as global health, and then the highest impact organisations in those cause areas, and then based on the highest quality evidence, usually RCTs. Whereas we identify cause areas that are high impact, where there's a large base of committed donors and are demanded by recipients. So there's a, there's a few key differences now. Uh, in conclusion, um, we, whoops, sorry, gone one, one too far. In conclusion, our new charity evaluation framework has a number of objectives. Unlocking philanthropic funds through acknowledging that funders are not cause neutral, donors have the constraints that I spoke of before, and not all donors look at, not look to do good with a cold heart, sorry, cold eye and a warm heart. Uh, moving money into these causes, these other causes, is a cost-effective way to influence these donors and others in their network to, poten uh, to potentially better strategies over time. Focusing on recipients means that priori prioritising causes that the poor identify as important to them, and it enables us to keep simplifying giving decisions, unlocking funds, and building the amount of money moved to charities while building the movement towards effective giving. Thank you.